You're listening to the podcast version of Spark TV, a monthly drop of interviews where we have a wine with the world's most inspirational female founders. I'm your host, Danielle Lewis, the CEO and co-founder of Scrunch, a global influencer marketing community, as well as the founder of Spark Founders Program, a global membership for female founders who are ready to grow their business. Our vision for Spark TV is to share founder stories so you might garner inspiration and pick up strategies to shortcut your own success. Before we start, I do have a special request. Press pause and go and get yourself a glass of vino. We've both got one and we want to share it with you. Got it? Amazing. Remember, you can also watch these episodes on our YouTube channel, Spark Founders Program, or you can follow our Instagram account at Spark Founders Program for daily business tips. Now sit back, enjoy the vino, and let's bring a little spark to your business. Thank you, Deanne, for being here today. Um, uh, We're so excited to have a conversation with you about your business journey. And I think that maybe the best way to kick things off today is to kind of give us a bit of a tour of your career and how you actually got to being a business owner. Like, what was the thing that made you take the leap? But give us, paint us a picture of that story. Sure can. I think... um... Look, my parents are business owners and my dad particularly is a business owner. So you do see what it takes early on Mm. with what that looks like, you know, and it it can be super, you know, you see the hard work and and what have you and it doesn't put you off then. Um, Or I actually hope that you don't ever notice because my son sees how much we work and he hates us, but then I hope (laughs) that he forgets that and then, you know, um, and then becomes much more than what we ever have been. So I think, you know, I never people go about when they finish school with a real plan and I don't think I ever had I would say a 100% foolproof plan that this is my career path I think I'm an opportunist so I take opportunities as they come and see the value in what that opportunity might give me and what I've noticed is that the opportunity that I take now doesn't really play out till 10 years down the track where it all links back together and I'll explain more around my path so you know, you leave school, you go to uni because that's the thing to do. And then I loved working. So you take on different roles and I worked in telecommunications and then, you know, you know, construction and earth moving machinery. And, and you sort of take these roles because they excite you and there's something to learn from it. It's not so much saying that this is the career path that I sort of envisaged. Yeah. Um, I did a PR communications degree and I never worked, you know, in PR. Um, but, I didn't know that. You know, there you go. <laughs> so, but you, you just, yeah, it's a really, um, you know, I, I never sort of thought oh, I'm going to own my own PR agency at all. I think you just take on roles and, and even at uni, I did a business admin um, part to the course. So I think you just saw things that were exciting and things that motivated you. And, um, and that's sort of how, you know, that the career path t- had taken and then you sort of um, progress as you go and mm. worked in HR for a number of years and and saw different, you know, um, and recruitment. And I always say, if someone doesn't know what they want to do, go and work in recruitment for 12 months because you will learn everything, you know, so much. And you learn so much about hard work, determination, yeah. knockbacks, getting back up again. Um, you know, it is a tough industry, but I think you can learn how to deal with clients, how to respond to clients, how to respond to candidates, how to conduct yourself. 
Um, you know, and this you was- a bit of a window into a lot of job roles as well. Like really good recruiters always have that like really good knowledge of the actual role and the business. So I think that it helps you see into organizations at all different levels. Yeah. And I think that, you know, you, you have to be on your game and if oh, you're not yeah. on your game, you, you can get swallowed up so quickly. <laughs> so, um, and I look, you know, and I spent only 12 months in recruitment and then more HR, but I did recruitment mm. and then, um, yeah, I had this other opportunity that came up in the wholesale, um, fashion business that I worked in for a number of years. And, and again, it's managing teams and, the, uh, you know, an omni-channel business and how that operated. So from working in telecommunications through to construction and earth moving, and then, you know, you, you develop this path that you don't think has any relevance until you get to, you know, another opportunity. So at, to, in today's role, I was, um, I, I own a logistics company and I have never worked a day in a logistics company at all until... <laughs> I started the business and I started the business in, um, well, some people might say it's record time, but I have a consulting client. So I do a number of business consulting um, in inventory management systems Mm -hmm. and, you know, process and structure around small business. And one of my clients rang me and said, my current 3PL is closing. I need to go somewhere. Where do I go? I said, give me 24 hours. So literally I went home and I said, I'm going to start this business. We, I do it in 24 hours. So I I rang her back in 24 hours. Oh my God. (laughs) Um, I signed a lease in a week and we started operating three weeks from when I said yes. So it happened super quickly. I think I invested 50, I had $15,000 worth of shares. Um, I sold them to fund the business. So pretty much that's how this business started because I saw an opportunity and I think if it was two, three years earlier, would have I done it? Maybe not. Mm. But because I had so many different, um, you know, different roles that I had worked in, yeah. um, you just had that confidence that, you know what, this can, this can work. So the business now, Lexington Logistics, um, so your 3PL company. So tell us sort of what, what does that mean for people that are dialing in and what kind of customers do you serve and what do you specifically do on a day-to-day basis as the business owner? Yeah. So, um, so 3PL is third-party logistics. So we pick, pack and distribute for brands on their behalf. So awesome. I'm a little bit more specialized than some really big 3PL. So 3PL was probably designed to assist the bigger players in the market, you know, so Big W and Target that have 3PL set up around the country um, to help with distribution. So, um, and it's, I guess it's come a long way. There's so many different ones out there, but when I created this one, I wanted to be a little bit of a point of difference. We -hmm. wanted to work with brands as their brand partner um, to be an extension of their business um, and not take over, you know, um, and keep them separate. So any of my clients can come and visit us at any point. They can see their stock. Um, anything that they need, they've got my number, but we wanted to really work with them to provide a really good outsource solution. Um, so that's sort of been the driver. So mm-hmm. we work with brands that may have a team, but they actually just don't want the warehouse and logistics logistics aspect mm-hmm. of what they do um, on a day-to-day basis. So we have a team now of 12 um, wow. and we service about 30 clients um, and they range in um, so 
So it'll be health and beauty, lifestyle, fashion, um, kids, you know, kids swimwear, sportswear. So mainly in that space, predominantly. Um, we've got a few other brands that will sit a little bit outside that, but still have that idea of being, a, you know, wanting to have a bit of a boutique offering. We'll do things that other 3PLs won't do. So, you know, one of our boxes gets everyone's name labeled on, on it. And oh, you know, so you're a little yeah. bit more bespoke in how you deliver the package. Mm. And one of our key, you know, aspects that we wanted to focus on was it was it to never to come from 3PL. So when someone receives their parcel, that's exactly, it might have our address on it, but but they don't know that it's not the, the brand's warehouse. Um, yeah. So every... Yeah, which can be real challenge, definitely, with our <laughs> staff, is every brand will be different. There'll be yes. something different about that brand. We may have to wrap it, you know, you box it. Sometimes it's just sustainable packaging. It goes straight in, fairly, you know, user, you know, easy to, to, pack, to pack up. Some will have boxes and if it's beauty, it's all grouped together. And, you know, so there's so many moving parts. And um, whilst that can be a challenge, it can be really exciting because no two days are the same. No mm -hmm. two brands are the same. Um, and we, you know, we try and really give them the best service we possibly can. Yeah. And that's amazing. So um, I um, reflect on my brief foray into a uh, product based business and it's insane. So the amount of time um, and detail that it takes in that um, you know, liaising with the customer once the order is, um, you know, actually placed making sure that that boxing is the same like for every customer that you send out, making sure that it gets to the right place, making sure all that tracking set up, managing returns, like that is crazy. That's a full-time job. Yeah. yeah it's, it is, you know, and fashion's different again. So mm -hmm. we do a lot of fashion brands and we have a full quality um, control returns department. So we have a team of people in there that oversee um, a couple of things. One, the return, making sure it's coming back if it needs to be sent out to be repaired or, you know, dry cleaned, but also we offer that um, quality control. So we've got clients that do, um, you know, like they don't see their product. It may be manufactured in Bali or India or um, oh, wow. yeah. they'll see the sample, but then they don't see the, the finished production. We'll have that received into our warehouse. <clears throat> and um, sometimes, you know, there might be an issue in production and, and we'll measure and, you know, make sure that, look, this is exactly as per, um, you know, their their style you know guide and requirements so there's, there's so many other things that we can offer um that is part of that extra service um it, it really is like being an extension to somebody's team you know rather than just we're outsourcing the 3pl it is actually you know making sure that you're upholding the brand as well yeah yeah so there's you know there, there's certainly so many different things that occur on any given day um it's so not one dimensional that's that's well that sounds like being a business owner <laughs> so what do you um uh, and that's probably a good segue so you as the business owner um what do you do now for the business so the business has been around for is it a few years three and a half years three and a half years yeah. so yeah. how is it different from day one to now as the owner of the business Probably not much different. Yeah, I can yeah. tell you that right now. Yeah. I think, um, and I, you know, and I can talk about a bit of better challenges, but, um, you know, I've always believed that you have to work from the ground up. 
Yeah, so 100%. anyone that comes into the business has to understand our picking and packing process. I have picked and packed every single brand. Um, yeah. It's nice when I don't know how to pick and pack a, a brand because um, we are moving upwards and onwards as, mm-hmm. as well. You know, I can focus on other things, but it is really important to know, you know, all your different brands, mm-hmm. how to pick and pack. Um, you've been there. You've been part of that onboarding process with any brand. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I still pick and pack because we do have, you know, COVID likes is the gift that keeps on giving. So absolutely, yeah. <laughs> one thing you've mm. then got, you know, staff off and and things like that. So you know, it just yeah. happens. This year, I still pick and pack because you know, number one priority is that we have service level agreements with our clients to get mm. the orders out. That's and, and that's okay. the thing, isn't it, though? Like, I think as the business owner, it's, you know, you need to recognize that your customers are it. Like, yeah. not that it all begins and ends with customers. And if you've promised them something, delivering on that, it doesn't matter if you have to do it or someone else has done it, it just has to get done. Yeah. And I think, you know, like, you know, I don't like to use excuses. So, mm. you know, it's so hard when you do have full staff away. Um, it yeah. adds the extra pressure to the deliverables because. Um, I'm not my own brand. So I don't have that choice to make. Yeah. Set out orders today. You know, we've committed to our clients that this is what we're going to do. Mm. So we just have to get it done. It's as simple as that. So I still pick and pack, but I think, um, you know, I do do a lot of the onboarding um, part of what we do. So when we have a new client, we go through a full onboarding process with them um, to embed them into um, our systems and our internal structure um, to make sure that, you know, the handover is as smooth um, that we can get. Mm. Um, all of our systems integrate with each other. Um, we've set up all, you know, shipping and, and everything that we could possibly think of that we'll need to do. Yeah. Um, that's what I sort of oversee a lot of on a day-to-day basis. Still do all of the account side of things as well. So it's still in that infancy period where we are still, you know, a small business. Um, I hope to start to to move that onwards. Nice. It's just yes. time to work, you know, on the business as well. So I do struggle with that between mm-hmm. working on the business and in the business, you know, because at three and a half years, um, I have not, you know, I, I've not, I've self-funded the business. So yeah. there's been no borrowings, no equity partners, no nothing so far. Yeah, um, it's been completely bootstrapped. So any money that we've made, we've reinvested back into the business. So sometimes you feel that your journey is a little bit slower because mm-hmm. the money that you make, you hire more staff, you invest in getting new clients on board, um, you know, invest in better systems, um, devices. Um, we've just moved warehouse last year. So you know, we, you know, outgrew our two warehouses and then went to a bigger facility. But what comes with a bigger facility is a lot more overheads. And mm. so there's a there's a lot on the line. And because you put your money on the line, yeah. you, you know, you are 100% committed and wanting to see it work. You know, it doesn't matter if you've got $10 or $10,000 in the bank, you've got to make payments and pay staff and all of that. So you were definitely still on the ground um, driving the business every day. So yeah, um, it's just, it is what it is at the moment. And, you know, whether we like it or not, I'm still very embedded into the operations, but trying to start to feed my, my way out of that a little bit um, so that we can continue to grow 
um, because our growth per year is nearly 300% year on year. So oh my God, that's massive, unreal. Massive growth comes lots of pain. Um, well, and it's, it's, like, it's funny that you say that though, because you kind of said, you know, as a bootstrapped business, potentially you're going slower, but I don't know about a lot of funded business, like VC backed businesses that are growing at 300% a year. Like yeah. that is incredible growth. So it's huge. It's, mm. it's really good, but you know, you do sort of have to catch yourself, you know, because yeah. you haven't had the time whilst it's, you know, like, and yeah, it's slow, but then it's quick. So one minute, you know, you are sort of moving quite quickly and you've got four clients that want to come on board, but then you don't have the staff to, to back that up, mm. to be able to really deliver the way that you would want to. And I think that's been the challenge is, is staffing as well, just to get yeah. the right staff. I just don't hire anyone. Um, Good, um, as you shouldn't, yes. Um, because again, comes down to you don't just work for me, you work for my clients. Yeah. So, you know, that's and that's interesting as a, from your HR and operations background, that's and recruitment background, that puts you in a really, I think, great spot above, you know, other potential founders. Like I know personally as a founder, that's the biggest thing that I struggled with was how to um, interview staff, how to onboard staff, how to retain staff, how to keep staff happy. Oh, staff, staff, staff was always a problem. So I'm, I'm interested um, whether you've got any tips and tricks for female founders who are listening right now, who are kind of going, I've either got to hire my first employee and I have no idea the things to think about, or I keep making mistakes. <laughs> you know, are there any, you know, secrets that we yeah, need to know about? It, it is, look, I think doing it yourself is actually harder. Mm. So, you know, and back in the day working in consultancy, I now sort of value why we use consultants to help mm. us. Mm. Um, if you can afford it, you outsource it because you're too attached to it. Yeah. I'm too emotionally attached to it. Even when I've run businesses before and I've hired staff, it's so different to when I've hired staff for other businesses. Because yeah. when you hired staff for other businesses, you're not emotionally involved in the process. Mm. You see things that you don't normally would see. You mm. don't, you know, so, or you don't feel things that you would normally feel if you were, oh, she seems really sweet. I just want to go. <laughs> oh. And I've yeah. made that mistake before because I think, you know, you see the good in someone and you think, oh, I just think she could be great if she just, just worked hard herself. <laughs> <laughs> complaining but yeah. you know I just you do see the good in people and you do want to make it work and then you know you it's your gut too I knew right from the work I I questioned myself three or four times over it and then it wasn't the right choice in the end anyway so yeah. you sort of go with your gut I know everyone's heard it before you you hire slow and fire fast so yeah. you do you know try and just find the right fit um, and it's not just culturally because there's so many elements to culture um, and personality, um, but also, you know, we can teach anyone what we do within our business. Mm. It's the attitude and it's the really willing to turn up and give it a go and work hard um, because sky's the limit. You know, you're coming into a business that you don't actually have to have degrees and qualifications. You just have to have a little bit of a brain switched on yeah. uh, wanting to work but you know you can then there's so many opportunities that can be trained and and you can be at the end of that if that's what you want so um it is there's no hard or fast rules with hiring but I just I think some of it is don't do it yourself 
Yeah, and that's, that yeah. is good advice. And there are a lot of platforms now, um, you know, that you can tap into that might not attract the, a big rec recruiter fee, um, but that give you kind of, you know, a pool of people and some, I know that there's a few even in Australia now that kind of give you almost a recruitment on demand service. Yeah. So there are definitely options that I think can help, like you say, take the emotion out of it. Yeah, if you've got business associates, so friends in business, mm. um, you know, points that you've worked together with, you know, whether you're in the same business group or, um, you know, networking group, you know, maybe that they can come in and assist you in that interview process because they're going to be coming in at a completely different viewpoint to mm -hmm. what you are. Um, so, again, it's... Um, uh, yeah, just just trying to utilize people around you as well, not just um, y yourself, you know, having that someone to bounce off, you know, oh, look, what did you think of them? Do you think, you know, is so much better than you sitting up at night going, I'm not sure. And, you know, generally that's a no, but, um, you know, you, you do try and find the best fit for the business. But as I said, it's not, it's not just us, it's also our clients. So I've yeah. got to be comfortable with whoever we hire that they're going to, be great with our clients as well, you know, um, get back to them, treat them with respect, um, be responsive, you know. Mm -hmm. So all those little things, not just for me, it's also for our client because, yeah. you know, they may not want to work with you if they don't like the person that's, you know, directly involved with Yeah, them. absolutely. And that was that was even something that I never considered for, for the scrunch business where we had, um, you know, people coming through uh, asking us if we could run particular campaigns and the team actually going, no, that's actually against my values. Like I, I wouldn't actually be comfortable working on a, um, you know, alcohol campaign or a, you know, whatever campaign. So it's like, oh, little things that you think about, you know, um, and the dynamics of, of people is really interesting. Yeah. Yep. And how they align with, with the client too and, and then with mm -hmm. each other. Um, so I do, I do think of that, you know, mm -hmm. that they would be best suited to coming on board and working with our clients, what their background is and, and what have you. So it, it's tricky. Totally. And not the only tricky thing in business. <laughs> so, you know, obviously team and people is a huge part of it. Um, but, you know, some people here aren't quite ready to scale yet. You know, they are in the even earlier stages where it's maybe year one or year two, and they're maybe only just in the um, uh, stage of one or two employees. Is there anything, you know, that you've experienced going from uh, an employee in sort of corporate world or even in small business world to running it yourself that you didn't expect to encounter that you you know if you could share wisdom with somebody who's just starting out I I think is you've... there something else I can help oh, with sorry thanks Siri <laughs> that's amazing she, she likes to pop in every now and then oh my um, god Siri on the podcast I love it <laughs> um I look I think people do get overwhelmed with the fact that they have these grand plans of I'm going to be a business owner. I'm wanting to transition out of a small business or a corporate. Yeah. Um, and, I, and there's a difference between your expertise and being a business owner, 100%. Yes. <laughs> so you could be the best consultant or whatever mm -hmm. it is. But, you know, and I see it in creatives because we've worked with a lot of creatives. Some people are brilliant creatives. They can design massive collections and it awesome. come to business and completely just it's not of interest um, process and systems is not their thing. I yeah. mean, that's what we try and do to take that away from them. But, you know, and even myself, I think early in the day, there's 
people that I should have been engaging in and people talk about it all the time but a bookkeeper for instance mm -hmm. yeah. you know um unless you have a passion for doing that <laughs> get someone early and I know that you think that um investing in that isn't great you know or it's not ideal because hey I want to invest back into the business but you need some real fundamental parts to when you set your business up um, I saw a blog or someone on one of the group Facebook things say, um, I can't afford zero anymore. Is there any other suggestions because it's too expensive? And I felt like saying, if you can't afford zero, then you shouldn't be in business. Totally. Yeah. So simple, but, you know, having really good systems in place, give you information um you, you may not be completely you know um up to date with it but by having a bookkeeper my bookkeeper in my consultancy business was you know one or two hundred dollars a month if if that every yeah. time my quarter it was only probably three not even three hundred dollars you know 250 dollars say you know a couple of hours of her time hmm. um was really worth the money because yeah she's able to then tell me what I haven't submitted or what I have need to do, what I need to probably look at. You're constantly then looking at your business a little bit closer. So there's just like, you know, that's one area that most people I see don't love. Um, and it's not something that they really enjoy either. Um, but having someone else to help you with that aspect, um, investing in really good systems, you don't have to spend a lot of money. But if you um you know i have a consultancy business then definitely you need to have zero and potentially um zero do have the very early stages of a timekeeping system now and and things like that to to invoice but looking at you know how could to make my life easier and having it all in one place so as you grow it doesn't feel so overwhelming mm -hmm. with having to add systems going now i've got five staff i need to put some process in place mm -hmm. if you do it earlier you can actually start to document that and embed that within your business. So identify a couple of cheap systems that you can start operating in um, that are of interest. But the biggest mistake I think I made in my consultancy business is not having a bookkeeper earlier mm. because just to have someone else that's part of your business that you can pass things over to. I, I, I now know the value in outsourcing, the things that I think I know how to do or would like to do but we'll never get time to do so and you start to you know identify what's your time worth um yes. so if I want to focus on something am I going to sit you know there and design the front cover to you know um my yes, exactly. yep <laughs> in hours because it's going to drive me nuts because it's never going to be you, right you won't get it quite right yeah <laughs> Or do I get someone to do that for me whilst I actually develop the content and start to, you know, um, talk to people about who I'm going to distribute it to or do some business development on it. But just identifying what you're good at and what you're not good at. And I know people have heard that million times over, but it, it really is working out, okay, what's your hourly rate worth yeah. and what's someone else's hourly rate worth? Um, because your time is better spent doing the, the things that really um, bring you a return um, okay. as opposed yeah, to. And, and actually bringing, so either creativity or revenue into the business. I think yeah. people get a lot like lost in, I didn't have time to make sales because I was stuck doing the bookkeeping. It's like, well, then you're not going to be in business for very long. Yeah. 
Yeah, and and you know, whilst it's good to understand that side and be across it, yes, um, there there is certainly areas that I think you need to give that to someone that can do it much quicker. Mm. Um, and you can ask them questions, and vice versa, and then you can focus on the other areas of the business that actually need you. Um, yeah. And it's a it, look, it's it's a hard lesson for anyone in business to come to to come to terms with that because especially early on, we don't have money, you know, mm. you are scrambling for the next sale, you know, you need to, you know, make it work. But there's a few areas where I go, okay, you know, this is where we need to outsource so mm. much quicker than what I could have done it internally myself. Yeah. Well, and I think spending that time initially even planning. So before you even start a business, okay, what are the things that I'm going to need? What is that going to cost? So therefore, how much do I need to sell? And yes, maybe I'll sacrifice that and that in the beginning and I'll, I'll hold on to that and do that. But as soon as I hit that revenue target, that's going and because that'll actually help me hit the next revenue target. But if you don't sit down and do that planning and understand what things cost and what areas of the business that you're going to need to outsource at some point, then I think it's where people kind of get a little bit stuck. Yeah. And I think there is certain little things that you can do yourself to start with, mm-hmm. but you know, just to get you by, but yeah, yeah. like you said, it's the planning stage of then when I get to this area, then I'm going to outsource that, or I'm going to get someone to help me with that aspect of it, um, which is really important because, yeah. and, and just having um, people around you. So even mm. if you, you know, have a networking group or organization, someone that you can then because if you're a sole entrepreneur so different to if you have a business partner Mm. um, because you do get lost in your day Mm. and you don't know unless you're really well self-driven it's really hard to motivate yourself so you know investing in going to things and you can go to cheap networking nights and you get so much inspiration by just chatting to other people and motivation that you can walk away and go, great, I got all these ideas and now I can, you know, develop the next part of what I was going to do in my business. So um, I think that's really crucial to have that influence around you, especially mm-hmm. that, that you know, when you're on your own or if you've only got one other staff member, um, because it's that creative outlet by talking to people um, and you get inspiration from so many different places. Yeah. And I think it's so important to to fill your cup. You know, it is so easy to just sit behind the computer and bash away and trying to get the emails cleared and this job done and this job done, but actually remembering to, to get out there and, and look after yourself is really important important as well um you know so three and a half years into lexington logistics have you taken a holiday yet how do you look after you as a business owner well i think we're really bad at that at the moment um you as i said we're driven by our clients so at the moment that's been um especially so early on we're still growing the business and when i see an opportunity and i still see that now okay, I'll bring on and I'll board a new client because they're the really right fit for us. So we'll, we'll do that. Mm. Um, we, we take little weekends definitely, yep. but I, you know, I haven't been able to completely separate myself, you know, for a, a massive period of time. And that's and probably it, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's the training development, getting people up to scratch. And I think we're in a better place even just six months ago, you know, we've, we've been able to hire some really great people. Um, so we can start to let go a lot more. Um, but you know, we're, we're not quite there yet. 
Um, maybe do you have any like micro tips so you know if somebody's kind of going look I just want to double down I want this business to grow so I'm probably not going to switch off for a bit do you have any you know small tips for people that the way that you keep your energy up to kind of keep it going um look I think I mean personally I go to the gym most days or I try to um so you know and having another outlet so and I'm really bad for that too, you know, so it is tricky. Yeah, we're, not, we're not all perfect. Yep, we're all good. <laughs> we, you try and have another completely other outlet, you know, whether it be catching up with friends, going for lunch, you know, mm-hmm. doing things for yourself if, if you can. And I know that we do get so consumed by our businesses because I'll go home and I'll pull out the, you know, the uh, laptop at night. But I'm also doing at the moment a number of other courses as well. Just meet people that have released courses. I'll go in and do some of my own professional development. I'll read books and things like that. So that's my, at the moment, because I'm so consumed by the business, I actually work on the business but the creative aspect of the business separately so it's still business but it's actually doing you're thinking differently you know you're able to go out and do other things I actually do mode or the creator mode versus yeah yeah and I do you know like I've got this idea that I'm going to go and do a pottery class you know at some point (laughs) I just want to switch off completely so I've got that on my to-do list in the next you know month or or two but that's really just a whole day just Mm. doing something that is got nothing to do with work nothing to do with business but it's your creative outlet so to then think completely differently when you're doing a creative activity so um and uh, you know that's that's something that's I think really yeah but it's so powerful I like I know even myself the way I engage my brain is when I read so for something you know I'd be really overwhelmed about something but I'll start reading a book and it's like all of the thoughts just start falling into place yeah. and so I, I'm actually a slow reader because I keep having ideas and having to stop and write them down because it's like when I finally switch my brain off then my brain actually figures things out so if you can help your brain switch out of work mode and into creative mode whether it's a pottery class or going to the gym or reading or whatever like you actually are surprised at how much value it brings to your business yeah yeah and I do, look I've done that with you know my son and I've done painting you know like at, you know through a, like an online tutorial and it's really interesting how a four hours can just go by there's no device you're not you know you know checking your your emails or anything like that and then you do start to think completely differently to if you were sitting down trying to write something for the business or trying Mm -hmm. to develop something that's a little bit different um, because you get stuck and then the minute you start to to switch off in that respect and then put on a completely different hat it all starts to, to to filter through so good. I love it. Well, you have been amazing. Thank you so much oh, for spending your time with us. I know um, that the Sparks would have gotten a lot of value out of it. So I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Anytime. I hope I've been able to give you some sort of little crazy insight into Absolutely. growing a business from, from scratch, really, you know, Absolutely. with no experience. You just do it. And you know what you draw from, I love that point you literally made at the start, which was you actually draw from all of that experience. You don't know what's happening in the moment, but 10 years later, when you're starting this business, all of those things fall into place. Yeah. And it was a reason why you took that job 10 years ago, because it's certainly, you know, 
well suited itself into what you're doing now. Yeah. Incredible. I love it. Thank you. That wraps this episode of Spark TV. Thank you so much for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review. That helps other amazing female founders like you find us and grow too. You can also follow along on Instagram at Spark Founders Program for daily business inspiration and DM us with a guest you'd like to hear from next. Or even join our community at sparkfoundersprogram.com. Thank you for being here. And if no one tells you today, you got this.